0: If you want to get your eyes off your problems, open your ears to hear somebody else's. Absolutely. I'm doing a service for uh, Stillborn, 38 weeks. Are they devastated? <laughs> yeah. So, be careful what you complain about. Most of it's just stupid belly aching because you're so used to your little comfort zones. So am I. <laughs> I need, a, I need a shove once in a while, too. He's like, oh, man, what am, what am I complaining about? What am I worried about? And that's why I've been doing this series on, actually, it's, it's almost on fear and how to, de- how to deal with problems. Like, um, what we're going to deal with today is when God messes up your plan, part two! You know, because He does it a lot. Last week was pretty interesting, and Diane laughing her head off as soon as she saw the first, the first line, because... She got blindsided with plans because of a sickness that hit her body. You know? She didn't plan to be sick. Nobody does. So what do we do? I know the turmoil that this church has gone through and is going through financially and learning to rebuild, it's forced us, listen to this, forced us to rethink. Why do we get together? It's nice. Sunday mornings is great. Like No problem. But are we making those connections to encourage and build each other up? What are we doing with this awesome message of love and bring it to the community? We're not doing that, really. If it is, it's happening individually, which is great. That's Holy Spirit stuff. But there are some things as a church family we can begin to do to connect in our communities. It's powerful. And the problem that hit us forced us to look at it. It's a good thing. All things really do work together for the good of those who are in Christ. So, when God messes up your plans, part two, when he chooses a different option than last time. Seriously, have you thought this through? Let me see what the next slide says. Isn't it funny how when we hear God worked a miracle because someone did A, people quickly want to learn how to do A or get a book or video on how to master A. Eh? <laughs> Canadian. Honestly. Methods, systems, programs. There are books, self-help books, somebody who's conquered this, somebody who healed that person, somebody else figured out how to drive out demons, somebody else figured out how to have a better life, somebody wrote on how to get rich by being happy. You know, like, who really has the answer? Well, those who write the books are doing all right, Typically. But we're still searching, and we run after the next thing, the next thing. I remember when the uh, Toronto Airport Vineyard uh, the movement happened there. There were a lot of emotions about it for and against it, like you would not believe. There was stuff happening there that I just shook my head out and go, "What?" You know, And uh, I may have had opinions, and then along the way, I heard more and more and realized, for one... I dare not judge what God is doing. Because even though I don't like some of it, they don't like some of what we're doing. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, some of these big revivals and movements, be careful. Don't knock them. It's easy to knock them because it's not like what we're used to. But God's messing up somebody else's plans right then. It's okay. You can almost kind of smile and smirk when you hear something goes wrong with somebody. God's up to something there. And He'll use it. It doesn't mean He causes it. But it's the plans we have, our expectations. God's method is not always repeatable. It may be unique only for you. You may have practiced a certain habit for much of your life and found certain results to be repeatable but somehow this time god's not answering but i've done it the right way the whole time god where are you and then you run off to spiritual leaders quickly dear help me help me figure out another method because mine's not working and, and i'm feeling like i'm losing control because I was controlling everything. I had my little system. I woke up, had prayer time. I read my Bible. I felt good about myself for that day. Who can be against us? If God is for us kind of attitude. Woo, that's great. And then stuff hits. Crises, depression. Don't ever, ever underestimate somebody dealing with depression. It is an invisible thing that is extremely real. We have much to learn about it. But what do we do with this? Repeatable. What if God chooses another option? Maybe He's not going to do it the same way. Maybe over at that church, God does stuff one way, with certain signs and wonders, and over here He doesn't. What's with that? I want signs and wonders. I want this. We can choose to go for whatever sign we want. But let me encourage you and urge you today, be careful for going after the signs. The signs aren't the key. The source is. The source is Jesus. He's the one who can and does use signs. But if you want a repeatable pattern, I'll give you one. There were a lot of signs throughout the Old Testament that didn't do them much good. (laughs) <laughs> to build their faith. They, they got weak and then needed a sign to be encouraged and then they lost faith. and said, oh, we need a sign. They kept, ne- kept needing signs. You've got something better. You have the sign, life in you. It's one of the verses that were read by the children this morning. Christ in you, the hope of glory. They didn't have that in the Old Testament. You do. You have a much better picture. Let's take a look at two stories and contrast them. The idea of God using a different method. We're going to go to First Samuel 17. I'm going to start at uh, verse 16 for just a moment kind of tell you the story. There's a bunch of battles going on between the Philistines and Israel. And verse 16 it says, For forty days, twice a day, morning and evening, the Philistine giant strutted in front of the Israelite army. One day, Jesse said to David, Take this half bushel of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread to your brothers and give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. As in bribery probably. No, I'm kidding. See how your brothers are getting along and bring me back a letter from them. He wanted to know how they were doing. So he was sending David to the battlefront. David is walking into the middle of a 40-day Come on out wherever you are. Take me on, you bunch of wussy Israelites and whatever thing he could scream out and insult. that he was trying to entice them. Come on, come on, come on. Forty days. So when David went and delivered all this stuff, he's coming into camp and he's hearing all this. What is this? So King um, Saul is trying to figure out who, who could fight this giant, this huge guy, this massive man. Which one of our guys is possibly strong enough nobody wanted to do it? Don't worry about a thing, David told Saul. I'll go fight this Philistine. David was a smaller person, younger. He was not battle-bound because otherwise he would have been at the battle. He was still maturing. He's, a, he's still developing. And all the awkwardness that goes with that. Poor guy. And then he says, I, I, I'll take this guy on. Why, why aren't you guys doing something about it? You're going to let this guy taunt the God we believe in? Are you kidding me, guys? Which one of you guys are going to do it? None of you? I'll do it. Scrawny little David. Do you know how sometimes youth have blind faith? <laughs> oh, let's go jump off this bridge. <laughs> you know? It works. Saul, King Saul replied, Don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can go against this Philistine. You are only a boy. And he has been in the army since he was a boy. Are you getting the contrast? It's very big. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep, he said. When a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and take the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who saved me from the claws of the lion and the bear will save me from this Philistine. Fine. Saul consented. (laughs) All right, go ahead. He said, and may the Lord be with you, because you're sure gonna need him. (laughs) Then Paul gave David his own. Saul gave David his own armor: a bronze helmet, a coat of mail. And David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took one step, took a step or two to see what it was like. For he had never worn such things before. (laughs) I can't go in these, he protested. I'm not used to them. So he took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them in his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across across to fight Goliath. Wow. This little scrawny kid goes after the giant fearlessly. Do you realize it wasn't just the first time he's taken on something big? There was a pattern here. A pattern that taught him to trust his Heavenly Father. Hindsight's 20-20, people. And sometimes we got amnesia. Amnesia, as in forgetting what God has already brought us through. The trials, the difficulties. The, the horrible pain we've gone through. And somehow we forget. So when the new pain comes, oh, What are we going to do? No. Remember, remember how good God is, even in the middle of your trouble. How many big things have you made it through? Obviously, you're sitting here. You're hearing this. You're still alive. And even if you weren't alive, you'd be in a better place, enjoying a more real God than you've ever imagined. So here he goes. You just got that. Good. That's what happens when I do a lot of funerals. I bet. think like that. All right. Oops. Flipped. Darn. Let's go back to the story. Goliath walked out towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him. Sneering in contempt at his ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David. Did you come at me with a... And he cursed David by names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, he yelled. (laughs) He's going after him. He's trying to intimidate this little scrawny stick boy. Has no armor on him at all. Can you see the insult? Can you hear his mind? This is the best they all got? They give me that? Let me show them now snap his neck like a twig. David shouted in reply, Ha! You come at me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. Today the Lord will conquer you, I will kill you and cut off your head, and then I will give you the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel and everyone will know that the Lord does not need weapons to rescue his people. It is his battle, not ours. The Lord will give it to us. He predicted. He didn't just say, just stand back and watch. I think, God, I hope you show up and do what you're supposed to do. He said up front, I've seen you do it, God. And he called them out. Sometimes we need to do this with some of our fears. Call them out and say, the Lord is in charge of my fear and this problem. Uh, I am practicing it over these last number of months with different situations, you know, even this church stuff. You know, I, I have to do that same thing. Give it, surrender it, and then do you know what happens? I put it on the altar and it crawls back off and I hang on to it a little bit longer. I put it back on, Like <laughs> Crazy! Welcome to being human. It's okay. You're allowed to struggle. You're not called to stay there. Let's see what happens. As if you don't know. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone. He hurled it from his sling, hit the Philistine in the forehead. And the stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face downward to the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine giant with only a stone and a sling. And since he had no sword, ha, no problem, I'll use his. He ran over and pulled Goliath's own sword from its sheath. David used it to kill the giant and cut off his head. Well, he could have gone... We don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It could have been a big sword, little boy. I don't know. Anyway. (laughs) What can we learn from this? (laughs) David was anointed. Okay? He was anointed by God, and I believe he knew that. You are also anointed. Anointed. You have the presence of Christ in you. He didn't have the presence of Christ in him. It was on him. As far as I understand at this point. You have it in you. Next. He was young and inexperienced. Don't underestimate youth. They bring a healthy naivety to life bring a perspective that we don't always see we need to listen God uses youth the method he used was no armor he got rid of the traditional pattern or method of taking out an enemy you don't go to war without a suit of armor on, that's dumb but David did he said I'm not used to this I can't wear this too big Little boy, Saul's stuff. Really? Don't borrow somebody else's method. Be careful. God has a plan for you and you alone. Fear not for the future. He's in charge of it, not you. How come they get blessed so much? No, poor me. I wish that happened to me. We do that, don't we? You were on your journey. Whoops. Let's go to another story. I love this story. Did you know David fought another giant? Some of you don't know that. Some of you do because you've heard me talk about it briefly. But David ended up meeting another giant later on in 2 Samuel. And it was a relative of Goliath. Yep. Giants come back. (laughs) Problems come back. Temptations come back. Let me tell this story. Here's a key. Once again, the Philistines were at war with Israel. That's how this starts in chapter 21 of 2 Samuel. Once again, there's a lot of battles. If you read further down, there's a whole bunch. Another battle, another battle, another battle. Lots of battles. Once again, the Philistines were at war with Israel. And when David and his men... By the way, David is king now. He's much older. He's got a strapping armor on. He's, oh yeah, let's go. Philistine fighter. When David and his men were in the thick of battle, David became weak and exhausted. And here's a cool name to remember. Ishbi Benob was a descendant of the giants. His bronze spearhead weighed more than seven pounds, and he was armed with a new sword. He had cornered David and was about to kill him. But Abishai, son of Zuriah, came to his rescue and killed the Philistine. After that, David's men declared, you are not going out to battle again. Why should we risk snuffing out the light of Israel? Wow, two battles, two giants, different method this time. you got to realize there are different methods. Let's take a look what happened. Oh, wait a minute, he was anointed there too. Hmm, then why do you do it the same way? Just put, oh, it's one of those giants, I'll pull a sling in the stone. I, it worked last time. That's a problem for us. Because if we use it worked last time, you're relying on last time's method not on the one who did the miracle. Do you see the difference? Next, he was old and experienced. Life had grown on him. He's he's mastered battles. He's a wise man. But he was full of armor too. And he could not defeat the giant that should scare you in some ways <gasps> I, can't, I can't overcome this you're right in your own strength there's no way I can't either and I have to yield and let God take care of my future that's sometimes really scary because we kind of want to control our future but in, our, in our flesh patterns we are all control freaks just so you know so if I call somebody control freak it's because I am one too in the flesh not the real me The real me is surrendering, yielding to Christ. Don't don't live out of who you aren't. Live out of who you are. A couple things we can learn. Here's some takeaways. First, we don't lose our value by losing an ability. David was getting older. He grew tired. and He lost his ability to fight the way he needed to. Did he lose value? No. He did not. Not at all. We don't lose our value. They said, You're not going to go to battle with us anymore. He still had fight in him, but he couldn't. And he represented the hope of Israel. And he was so valuable to them, they said, You're not fighting. We can't afford to lose you. So they led him to the side. And he didn't fight again. Does that mean he was not a contributing member? No. His very presence was powerful. It's kind of funny. One guy wrote a thing here. I'll, I'll, uh, I like this. It says, everybody carries with them so many cubic feet of spiritual atmosphere. When you come into a place, let's say Hope Fellowship, just for fun. Wherever you are, if you go into work, if you're uh, Tim Hortons, you, are, you have a spiritual atmosphere you're taking up. What's it filled with? If you come in with the negativity and upsetness and all that stuff, there will be somebody else who is not filled with that negativity, and just their very presence will have an effect on you. You can affect others too, but I believe the joy in the life of Christ, the the spirit of Christ, in the togetherness of a corporate church, we benefit from the joy and life of others and you can actually get healed by being near. I don't understand how that works. I really don't. But you're a conduit of His grace. And just by showing up, you're an encouragement. When you're not here, it's hard. When you go into a place... Let's say the, everybody's grumping because the line is so long at Tim Hortons. Uh, you're going conti- to join into their neg- negativity. You're going to come in with the joy of the Lord. I have watched people look up in places. I've watched people look at me once in a while when I walk into a place. Why are they looking at me? And I realized I was walking in with a different confidence and joy. It was, I, it's taken me a number of years to notice why. But then I sit and watch and I see other people coming in with confidence and joy and people, look, they just happen to notice, I hate to use this word, but the energy. Okay? Whatever you want to call it. The spiritual force. It's with you. Whatever you want to call it, the presence of Christ has an effect. Wherever you are, and when you're living out of the presence of Christ, people will notice, and they may not be able to identify it's Christ. There's something different about that person. i bumped into people on a work site when I used to do construction. And I uh, saw this one guy walking on a it, was a, it had just poured, and we had these boards going to, from house to house. I was doing installing of uh, furnaces and gas piping and all that stuff. And uh, so on a job site, it's not clean, and neither is the language. It's just the way it is, you know, and all the tradesmen and their very colorful slurs and anyway, this guy's walking along and he's carrying something and he slips off because it's so slippery and his boot goes down in the mud and for sure he's gonna swear for sure because up came his foot and there's no boot <laughs> and he couldn't go in and get it. It just he ended up wa- he, he left there but. His attitude, for some reason, that doesn't mean you can, okay, his attitude was so different, I, I sensed something about him that he was a believer. The believer in me sensed it. And so I ended up finding him later, says, weird question for you, bro. Are you a Christian? And it was, it was years and years ago. And he said, yeah. I said, I could tell. He really? So yeah, just the way you responded. Now, just because you are a Christian does not mean you're not going to have your swearing and, and your, your responses that seem unholy and all that stuff and the extra gestures when people cut you off. It doesn't mean that. But at that moment, it was a gift to me to see that. The next time it happened to him, who knows what happened, right? We don't know attitudes. And we all have a variety of attitudes. How do we respond? So when you come in here, you are a greater blessing than you know. Next, we should expect the enemy to be constantly on the attack. And notice in, ver- in verse um, 15, all the way down to verse 21, another battle, another battle, and in another battle, and in another battle, constant battles. Welcome to life. Life is full of battles, spiritual war. Dealing with people, if you are human, you're going to bump into people you don't like. It's the way it is. And some, of them, some of them are even relatives, you know? <laughs> its just you learn how to deal with people. Life is about relationships. You can't avoid it. But the battles are coming. It is a spiritual war. So don't let your guard down and say, "I'm good now. Now I don't have to worry about a thing. I wonder if that happened here as a church. Oh, we're happy. we got our location. It's all good. Yep, don't have to worry about a thing. Interesting. Next. We should be alert that the enemy attacks us when and where we are weak. When did the giant move in to kill David? When he was tired and exhausted. Have you ever noticed how you act when you're really tired, irritable, Um, Depressed? Um, You've just had a really full, stressful day? Um, Does it take time for you to change your attitude when you get home or whatever? Do do you know how you act? Sometimes you're a little snappier, a little shorter. You don't mean to be, but it happens until you de-stress. It's when we're weak. Be careful. Realize that at times when you're weak, or if you recognize the people you love and are with, if they're in a weak place, be ready for a weak response, too. And love them anyway and forgive them for that. Next. We should be alert to an old enemy with a new weapon. The giant came back the very next day. We thought he was a goner, but the cat... Came. Okay, if you kid song. <laughs> he did not expect to be facing another giant and let alone having to lose. The giant came back but this giant came with a brand new sword. Did you ever buy a new knife set? Let's say Cutco knife for a moment. You cut yourself like crazy. Drive right, the front end. Why it so sharp. New stuff is sharp. And this guy was going after Dave with a new weapon. Here's a quote from A Chinese general, Sun Tzu. When I have won a victory, I do not repeat my tactics, but respond to circumstances in an infinite variety of ways. Just because you dealt with your problem last time and overcame it with one method does not mean you can use the same method. It may not work. Just a heads up, a wake-up call. Watch your expectations. Temptations are all the same. But the labels and packaging are changing all the time. And lastly, oops, we should, oh, whoops, I took out the wrong one. Okay, we need others to help us in the time of battle. When we're weak, when we're depressed, when we're wiped out, when we're overstressed, we need somebody else to help us. You're not created to handle this stuff alone, none of us are. Ecclesiastes 4, 9-10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls for there is no one to help him. Paul described one of his, his people, My brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier. David didn't fight alone. Paul didn't fight alone. You and I are not to fight alone. Not at all. And here's the funny part. who is the guy who rescued him? Abishai, if you look back into the story of Abishai, he was a hot headed teen. Big mouth, annoying. He should have been sold off to Egypt. He was one of those guys. He just, he was. God used him to rescue David. Do not underestimate the help of somebody. Even people you don't like, particularly. Or people that, oh, they're just not qualified. Oh, you, whoa, you don't know. Just be open. Remember, live with an open hand. Let God put in the help that needs to be there and let him take out who shouldn't be there. Trust him. Giants will come. The battles that you have will come again. I kid you not. But you don't have to fight it alone. Find a good friend. Find a, find a confidant to share with, that you have built trust with, so you can say, hey, I'm really having a hard time. Gotcha, let's pray right now. That kind of safety is rare and really important. And this is a pool of people. It's in this pool you get to find people you naturally will connect with. You're not going to connect with everybody. You don't have to be everybody's friend. But you find one or two people, wherever it is. Don't fight alone. Don't grow alone. Be encouraged, because God may use a different method to get you out of your jam. He's a good God. You can be brave, because He makes you brave. I love that song. Let's pray. Heavenly Father,